Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I serve as the senior pastor of Stonington Baptist Church right here in Paxinos, Pennsylvania. Uh, if you are a church member or regular attender of Stonington Baptist Church, welcome uh, to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, if you are a regular subscriber to Ministry Minded, thank you again for clicking on this episode. This is another edition of of Pastor Brad's Corner, a little uh, pocket or little sort of side project of this podcast in which I like to reflect on some things that either were inspiring uh, how I was studying or things that I just wanted to share with you relating to uh, many of the things that I was about to preach on or or anything like that. So it's just things that I have been uh, really chewing on and thinking about. And, 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 and I really started this sort of segment of the podcast because so often sermons come and go and we don't often, I, I think, I, I can say this because I grew up uh, listening to a lot of sermons, <laughs> uh, that oftentimes they don't always stick in our brains, uh, at least in, in the immediate. Sometimes you'll hear about uh, stories and testimonies of those who have heard a sermon and then months, weeks uh, later, uh, it, it is kind of really hit home. And anyways, what I wanted to do is just give more space for me to think out loud and for you to sort of uh, be meditating too on t- some of the things that we have been studying and proclaiming as we open God's Word every Sunday. So that's what this is. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm glad that uh, I have this opportunity to 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 do just that, to think out loud and to uh, continue ministering to you and sharing the hope uh, that the gospel gives and the peace that the gospel brings into our hearts and lives and, and have our lives changed uh, by that hope and peace and, cr- and grace and truth. So uh, all that said, uh, I'm excited to kind of reflect on uh, Sunday's sermons. So this past Sunday was December 27th, the very last Sunday, if you can believe it or not, of this year, 2020. Uh, and <laughs> as I shared in that sermon, and as I've been reflecting on a lot lately, it's kind of at once both hard to believe, but also I'm just so thankful that it's finally here, <laughs> that we're at the end of 2020, the last Sunday. And so uh, in Sunday morning, I was privileged with preaching on uh, the third psalm, Psalm 3, uh, eight verses, and I preached a message entitled, What to Do When Life Goes to Pieces. Uh, And what I was trying to pull out of this text is just this. 
That when life falls apart, your God doesn't. That when everything else seems to be unraveling, when everything else seems to be uh, like that thread that you pull on a sweater and you pull it thinking that it's just a, a arbitrary thread that'll just come out and you pull on that thread and then all of a sudden the whole sweater is unraveling and by the time that you're, that you're done pulling, you have lost an entire sleeve. <laughs> I use that silly sort of illustration uh, <laughs> in a way to just picture in our mind's eye, I think, often what we think of this year. 2020, um, I, I'm not going to rehash it. I'm not going to go through all the details. Again, like I said in my sermon, we've lived it. We've lived this year. We don't have to, we don't have to have sort of a, a long drawn out recollection of the hardships that this year has presented to everyone. Um, and not just because of a global pandemic. That's, it's presented so many things that can make us feel as though life is going to pieces. It's a common uh, thread, if, if you will, pardon the pun. It's a common a commonality that every one of us who is alive right now shares. Uh, what unites us as humans, perhaps in 2020, more than years past, is we are united in the sense that life seems to be crumbling. Life seems to be falling apart. There's no better person that we could learn from, that we can sort of see that same uh, sort of feelings e echoed for us in Scripture than, of course, King David. Uh, King David is a man who was very familiar, uh, we might say, with uh, life's events coming and uh, bringing to him untold trauma, untold weakness and suffering and vulnerability and dismal days that, 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 that his life presented to him. And that's what we have in Psalm 3. Psalm 3, at least according to my Bible, it says, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. Uh, this is the prayer that we read about in, in 2 Samuel 15.30, where, where it talks about uh, David fleeing from his own kingdom, fleeing from his throne, from the fury of his own son, and he, and he eventually is climbing up Mount the Mount of Olives, and it says that he is as he's climbing, he's weeping and worshiping and praying. Psalm 3 is that, that prayer, that cry of David when life is going to pieces and the blessed hope that we have that no matter what we face no matter what type of 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 calamity is is before us ours is a god who doesn't go to pieces <laughs> who doesn't uh, who, who doesn't uh, uh, hide from us who doesn't fall away from us, who doesn't go away from us, who doesn't uh, turn his back on us. This Ours is a God who doesn't fall to pieces when life does. Ours is a God who doesn't turn a, a deaf ear to our cries of desperation, who doesn't turn a blind eye to our moments of incredible turmoil. He uh, is a God who is invested and who is interested and who is concerned for us. This is the God that we have. The God who hears us, the God who knows us, the God who secures our peace. I think about this psalm, and what I did through the course of studying for the sermon was divide the the sort of points of the sermon with each of David's selahs. So now, of course, if you're studying the Psalms, you see that word selah, S-E-L-A-H, at least as it is in the King James, which is a musical notation. Most often that's how it's interpreted. 
uh, that would cue in the chorus or even those who are accompanying uh, the worship to pause, to make a sudden break in the worship. And what it was put there for is so that we could pause the worshipers could pause and totally uh, have silence to meditate upon the truths just uttered. The statement that comes right before the Salah is the most important one to consider. So you have a Salah in verse 2 of Psalm, uh, of Psalm 3, and it comes right before this verse where it says, Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. David is is suddenly uh, made to pause and consider, do I have hope in God? Is there help for me in the God that I say I believe in, that has always been there for me, and he is taunted by so many that are around him? There's no help for you in that one. There's no help for you in that God. He pauses. But notice, I love what happens. Because after this pause, he is immediately brought to a sense of, of security. So the taunt at the end of verse 2, there's no help for him in God. He pauses, Selah, but thou, verse 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. He answers their taunts with exactly what the word of God spoke, uh, uh, gave him, the truth that it gave him, the peace that it gave him. The grandeur of its glory is the fact that this God that we are told everywhere to believe, we were made everywhere to believe, uh, is absent is is no longer considering us who who there's no help for us in him that's false there is help for you in this god in this god who is your shield the your protector the lifter up of your head listen my friends those who are listening god's word contains the words for your peace for your rest for security not because of some some magical thing it gives you, because it assures you that the Lord himself, the creator of everything, the one who spoke and the worlds came to be, this one is the one who is watching over your soul. He's the one who's caring for you. He's the one who's sustaining you, who's supporting you, who's lifting up your head. And David has to pause in this moment and totally consider the incredible, uh, uh, incredible, uh, momentous truth that that presents. Because God watches over you. You can rest in that. He's your protector. He's your shield. And then in verses 5 through 8, as, as he answers again, as he, he considers that this God is going to protect him, and we, we see in these verses just how God is going to protect him. The verse 7 is the one that stands out to me as this verse that contains so much striking and violent imagery. Verse 7 of Psalm 3 says, Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. <laughs> I love this image of God coming down and just uh, pardon how just kind of <laughs> how to, how kind of vulgar this sounds. God is punching David's enemies in the face <laughs> with hands that formed worlds. Those same hands are coming down and striking David's enemies on the face, on the cheekbone, breaking their teeth. And I love the symmetry that is presented here in the psalm, that the, the mouths 
of David's enemies that are that are snapping at him, that are that are slinging taunts. There's no help for you and God. Those same mouths are broken by this God. He comes down and totally renders powerless the jaws that were formerly speaking so much uh, falsehood and, and deformities of who God is, who were jeering at one of day at one of God's own sons. This is the truth of all truths, that God's word contains the words of our peace. And it stems from knowing who this God is, this God who, who doesn't fall apart when life goes to pieces. He's a God who is always there, who's, who's not going to leave. We may feel like he's absent, but his promise rings true from Matthew 28. I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. I am with you, even right now, as you're sitting in the ashes of, of what has become of your life in 2020. Even as you're sitting, perhaps, if you can pardon the picture, on shards of broken glass that have become your life. Guess who's sitting there with you? God is. God's sitting with you. In Christ Jesus, we have a God who sits with us in the ash of ruin and brokenness in sin and misery. We have a God who is with us uh, in the pieces, in the, shads, in the shards of our life. I'm thankful for that. <laughs> that we have a God who doesn't go to pieces when life does. And that reminds me... Um, all of that sort of reminds me of this recent article that I just, I couldn't help but share with you. I was reading it as I was studying for this sermon, and uh, I didn't get to use much of it in terms of actual quotations from it, but I was able to uh, just be really inspired by its message, by the truth that it presents. Uh, it's an article by Giles Frazier. Uh, he writes for uh, the website Unheard, uh, and this piece is entitled, Hope Rises from the Rubble of My Church. Now here, Fraser is uh, sort of relaying the uh, recent events which resulted in the collapse of the church building which he attends. Uh, the whole entire church building just collapsed in on itself, and it leads him to reflect on the hope that Christians can have even in ruin, in rubble. Uh, and he writes so profoundly, so listen to what he says. Uh, this is Fraser writing, quote, when things have been stripped back this far, there is no room left for pretending, and there is a huge liberation in that. In circumstances like those in my parish, people are thrown back on the core values of the faith, love God and love each other, the beauty of holiness, the need we have for each other. Don't get me wrong, we have failed to realize this vision a lot of the time, but failure presents no block to the persistence of hope. Indeed, in the Christian story, failure is where hope begins, almost as a prerequisite. This, I take it, is the message of the cross, of the cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If hope can find its feet in a place such as this, it can find a place amid all the twisted rubble of my life too. If hope survives the cross, it can survive anything. And the story of the emergence of hope in a world of brokenness is why Christmas is not just a tall tale of angels and shepherds. It's a depth charge of hope dropped right into the middle of human darkness. It is a celebration of hope, of good news, exploding into time and place. <laughs> I love those words from Fraser. 
Man, they are so good. The fact that failure is where hope begins, almost as a prerequisite for hope to be born. It's the what makes Christmas so profound. I think it's what makes this psalm so profound. It's what makes each and every one of our lives so incredibly hopeful that no matter the wreckage, the turmoil, the brokenness, the shards of life that our life has become in our wreckage, that's where Christ is found too. That's where peace is found and hope is born. Our Savior is with us. When life shatters into a thousand tiny pieces... There is hope in knowing that our God is a type of God who stands with us. (laughs) He stands on the glass with us and for us. That's the type of God you have. A God who doesn't go to pieces when life does. I hope you're encouraged by that. Listen to that sermon. I challenge you to. Not because of anything in me, because I was so profound. It was a message that I needed to be preached to myself. As I was studying, I was preaching to myself and just the, the profundity and the necessity of that message. It's one that I was very encouraged by, and I'm so glad that it could bless you as well. Sunday evening, uh, as I'm turning here in my Bible, uh, uh, Sunday evening, I was blessed again with the opportunity to preach uh, on uh, or preach a message from First Peter. Uh, as I've noted a couple times, I've been I've been going through uh, Peter's letters uh, and just seeing what we can see and seeing uh, how Peter the Apostle and, and and especially as Peter the Apostle is presented to us in his letters is actually found many times. Uh, throughout the rest of the New Testament. So we're just kind of uh, picking some of these verses and then reflecting on them in light of Peter's experiences. Uh, I've said before, and I'm going to reiterate this, and if you've attended church on Sunday evening, you're probably tired of me saying this, but Peter is uh, not only one of my favorite characters, but he's a character in scriptures that we know the most about. And uh, he, if you see him um, in the scriptures, it, or if you just kind of step back and notice all the times that Peter's mentioned, he's mentioned in places where we often think that this is a really important moment in either Jesus's life or the life of, uh, or the uh, sort of movement of the gospel or in such. And I say that to say that we know a lot about Peter, perhaps the most uh, of any other Bible character, uh, we know the most about Peter. And uh, so what I did in this sermon, this was uh, part eight of this series going through Peter's letters. I just sort of wanted to draw out the incredible uh, theme that Peter brings brings to the forefront in chapters 3 and 4 on the theme of suffering. Um, and it's fascinating to me how uh, the Holy Spirit was driving me to preach this even after I was preaching on Sunday morning about suffering. And here we have Sunday evening preaching a, uh, from a totally different part of the Bible about the same basically the same the same topic uh suffering how christians can suffer and so what i did is i looked at first peter 3 verses 13 through 17 and then I jumped to 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6, and then also 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19 to kind of wrap up those two chapters and to basically, for us as Christians, not to be surprised by suffering. That's not a new or a novel sort of truth. It's it's actually right there in 1 Peter 4. He says in 1 Peter 4, 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But then, and the most... Absurd, almost 
uh, truth that can come from an apostle as one who has been charged to bring you hope, listen to what he says in verse 13. Instead of uh, thinking it as some strange or, uh, or awful thing, he says, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And so the thrust of that sermon, if you listen to it, is really just that. Don't be surprised by suffering. Actually, consider it something in which you have incredible power, you have incredible purpose, and you have incredible privilege. Uh, that's what suffering presents to us. We get the opportunity to rely on, on Jesus' power for us. We get the opportunity uh, to find purpose in bringing glory to the gospel through suffering, and it is our privilege to share, to be associated with Christ himself uh, in suffering for uh, the kingdom and for the sake of Jesus' name. Um, I was really blessed by this sermon as well, and I don't say that sort of half-heartedly. I say that uh, truthfully. Uh, it is not a light thing to consider the sufferings that many people have endured, uh, not just this year, but years past and many things that we have been uh, faced with. It has caused no short amount of grief and struggle. Um, I've shared several times on the, either this podcast or through the blog just the uh, sufferings that my family went through a couple of years ago. I can tell you um, that my heart has been drastically changed by those events, and I would say changed for the better. Uh, and that's sort of the theme that you get out of Peter's words on suffering, is that it's part of God's work on you, part of God's work in you. It comes uh, through the heat of suffering, through those incredible moments of turmoil and grief and trauma and struggle, through the fiery trial. Um, that's why it's our happy privilege to, um, to suffer. So I hope you'll be blessed by that episode, by that sermon. It was a, a privilege to to deliver it, and it was a privilege to study it. And uh, so I hope that you will take advantage of listening to that and being encouraged and blessed by it. Uh, just to finish up really quick on that sort of topic, uh, before we move on to hear a word from our sponsor, uh, just in this segment of what I'm reading, I'm finishing up uh, Paul Tripp's Suffering Gospel Hope When Life Doesn't Make Sense. And I just have to say that this book is such a wonderful uh, benefit to me. It's been such an encouragement to read uh, Paul Tripp's writing, especially as he relays some of his own ordeals uh, of suffering uh, in the season that he uh, endured several years ago. And um, it really tied into both of the messages that I was studying for and some of the messages that I'm going to be uh, studying for in the weeks and months ahead. So uh, I can't recommend enough Paul Tripp's book, Suffering. I put a link in the notes for this show. Make sure you take advantage of it. That book is such an encouragement, such a blessing, and I know you'll benefit uh, by reading it and by soaking in a lot of the truth that uh, he presents throughout that book. So take advantage of that. Uh, now, before we begin on to the rest of the show, just want to share a quick word from this podcast sponsor. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. 
Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. Now on to the rest of the show. I wanted to share uh, just a quick article and some comments about it uh, in um, what's been helpful to me. And it's an article that that was written by Larry Parsley uh, over on Mockingbird entitled Envying the Other Me. Uh, It's a piece that I really recommend you reading um, just because what he writes about is something I think we all have done to some degree or another. Um, Because honestly, think about it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever caught yourself thinking about what might have been in another life, Uh, especially this, I think, happens when we come to those moments when we are so regretful of something that we've said or done or something that might have occurred in our life. And we can think about, man, it would have been nice if we could redo what I just did or to undo what I just did and that we could make good on that decision that just went awry, on that event that just slipped out of our hands and that surely the other me that didn't make that decision certainly has a much easier life or so we presume. I think that's something we are often tempted into thinking, that in the heat of turmoil, we tend to idealize idolize, excuse me, the idea of some sort of parallel universe uh, where the, we, the, the person that we are, didn't make that decision. <laughs> they didn't let things fall apart. They didn't make uh, that one uh, quick snap judgment. They didn't uh, let uh, things slip out of their fingers. And certainly we think uh, the, the parallel universe, you, is living a much easier life. Um, this thinking is incredibly naive, though. Uh, it's not just a false hope. I think it's a detrimental hope that I say is 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 dangerous to our thinking. Uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about this topic, especially in light of this article by Larry Parsley. Again, read it. It's in the links to the show. Uh, I think you'll uh, be benefited by it. But I've been thinking about it. Especially in light of uh, a movie that I've been uh, haven't stopped thinking about this year, which is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Uh, Tenet is a movie that is, dare I say, mind bending. Uh, it's a movie that it certainly plays with how we think of time and all those sorts of things. And one of the central premises of that movie is that regardless of how we can go back in time, reverse entropy is is sort of the the, the physics that they play with throughout the movie. Regardless of how we're able to wield that, whatever's happened has happened. That there are things in this universe that we cannot change, we cannot alter. Uh, in fact, one of the one of the um, actors, one of the characters at the end of the movie says that they have faith in the mechanics of the universe, <laughs> um, which is just an interesting way to phrase what he's talking about is that they trust that there are certain laws that cannot be bent no matter how time is reversed, no matter how much entropy is made to go the opposite way. Uh, there are things that cannot be altered. 
And I would think that that is the same in a striking way. We might say that this is the gospel of tenant. There are things that you can't change. And so it's it's so foolish, so detrimental, so dangerous to be thinking that parallel universe you has it better, has it easier, has it uh, some that there's something that that you could have that, that there's something that you could alter that would make your life so much simpler. Let me just tell you this. You, as you are right now, you are loved by God. As you are at this very moment, you are loved by God. Not as you should be, not as you might have been. You, right now, scars and all, bad decisions and all, God loves you. And he is desirous that his spirit would would work in you to perfectly carry out the incredible work that he has uh, for you. In all of the events to come that we haven't experienced yet, where you are right now is exactly where God would want wants you to be. Uh, there's no, there's no other you that is in a better position. Believe me when I say that there's no, there's no algorithm as was sort of the the trope of Tenet that we could find that we can reverse entropy decisions that we've made. There's no turnstile that we can walk through to walk back uh, words that we've said or actions that we've done. You know what there is? There's grace. Grace that comes to us when we've made those bad decisions. Grace that comes to us and reminds us that we have a God who cannot uh, take his love away, who will not take a love his way, whose love cannot be obstructed by any bad decision that we make. I challenge you, read that piece. Watch the movie Tenet, by the way. It's a fantastic film. Uh, that piece has really been helpful by Larry Parsley. I, I really recommend you read it. Um, what should you remember? Um, you know, when you're listening to this, it's most likely on Wednesday the 30th. We're looking forward to a new year tomorrow on the 31st, New Year's Eve, looking forward to 2021. I, I said in my sermon on Sunday that many of us have are probably... Uh, so excited to have 2020 behind us. I can't think of any way to step into this new year than to really consider this quote from H.J. Ironside. He writes this, With the Christian, whatever the haps are, meaning when he says that, whatever happens, with the Christian, whatever happens, if everything he has counted on goes to pieces, it does not make any difference. God is not going to pieces. God is there just the same. And so the soul can rest in him. I really love that quote. I used it in my sermon on Sunday morning, and it's uh, something that I think I will be considering for a long while, that when life goes to pieces, God doesn't. Whatever happens, whatever this new year holds, yours is a God who isn't going to pieces. He isn't going away. He is there just the same. And so you can rest in him. You can you can trust in him. He's not leaving. <laughs> Great is this God's faithfulness. I hope you have a blessed uh, New Year's Eve. I hope you uh, are looking forward to 2021 as am I. Make sure you take advantage of all the links and resources in the notes for this show. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Ministry Minded Podcast. I hope you you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. But thank you as always for your your kindness, for your encouragement, and for your support and your prayers. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.